Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Escape the Ordinary with Green and Black's Organic Chocolate, sponsor of the Women's Podcast. A rich, intense chocolate to savour. Welcome back to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. I hope you've been to the shops. That's the big news this week, isn't it? I was talking to my colleague, Rosita Boland, who has written pieces for the paper about the crazy social distantly stampeding people um, to the shops all up and down Henry Street and Grafton Street. And our colleague, Connor Pope, was out at Ikea. Oh, my God, the size of the queue. But I think people are just really enjoying being out and having something else to do. So I don't think we can really judge anybody. It's not for me, though, because Rosita says you go in now and you have to Try on the clothes over your clothes and you can only try on a certain amount of things and then everything's steamed and it all sounds quite a palaver and I think I'll just stick to the uh, the old online shopping for now until it all calms down. And of course, tomorrow Pennies is opening and that is going to be some scenes, I tell you. I think people have been dying for that up there with McDonald's. So whatever you're doing and however you're getting about with your friends and whatever you're up to, we hope sort of helping a little bit because I think it was just getting very, very boring and people are just dying to do something new. Now, we've a great episode for you today. Later on, we're going to be talking about women's mental health in this pandemic. It's something that has been going a little bit under the radar that we wanted to shine a light on. You know, we're not living through normal times, but what is normal is to feel anxious, overwhelmed, worried um, at the moment. Um to have disturbed sleep, perhaps. I know a lot of people, including myself, have been having very vivid dreams and things like that. Um, oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> the strangest dreams. Uh, so, you know, it, that is normal. I think it's really important we don't over-pathologize, you know, what, what's happening to, to many of us in terms of dealing with, uh, with things at the moment. But before that, something I know is going to be very good for your mental health, Hannah McSorley from County Tyrone is a TikTok tadpole influencer. Not a career path that she would have been told about at school, but in lockdown with her GCSE exams on hold, the 17-year-old has turned to collecting frog spawn and turned that into a potentially lucrative online empire. If you've seen it on TikTok, and I'm sure some of you have, McSorley's hypnotic daily videos of her tens of thousands of tadpoles have attracted more than half a million followers on TikTok. And if you want to go and look her up now, she's at dot baby dot frogs. Uh, that's her TikTok handle. And she's even got a call from an influencer agency in the US. So she's like a Kardashian, except with tadpoles. And she's amazed by the following she has and the fact that people are just seem to be very interested in this wholesome content, tadpoles and frogs. So I had to have her on when I heard about this and I began by asking Hannah how she got herself into the tadpole influencer business. Well, it all started with my younger brother, actually. 
Um, I live in the countryside and I've grown up in the countryside. And when I was younger, I always remember going out and getting a little jar of frog spawn in the early spring and taking it home and watching it go into tadpoles. And now I haven't done this in years, but with it being lockdown and having a lot more time on my hands to actually enjoy what's around me, I took my brother out on a walk and I happened to notice a clump of frog spawn lying in the field and seeing it there really took me back to my childhood. And I thought, you know, it would be great for my younger brother, Paul, he's nine, to experience that. So I went, got a jar, popped it in the jar and brought it home. I just happened to put up like a very short video on TikTok because I'd never seen any sort of frog spawn on TikTok. I thought it was different and unique and it really took off from there. So what kind of reaction did you start to get? Well, it was quite small at the start, but it certainly was much more popular than my baking videos. But um, <laughs> but um, I just, it was small at the start, a few thousand followers, and it grew and grew and grew until tens of thousands of followers and then hundreds of thousands of followers. It was crazy. And people love it. People do tune in every day to watch a short video of my examples. I mean, it just sounds so incredible. What is the appeal? Because tell us what you're posting. What is it that people are tuning in to see? Well, every day, it's just a daily update. It's a short, it's about, each clip is about 30, 40 seconds long. And it's just a checkup of, on the tadpoles and them living their best lives, me feeding them, cleaning them. Sometimes we elect presidents. Unfortunately, we even had some funerals along the way. Okay, you have to tell me about the funerals because you actually do quite moving uh, videos of you kind of uh, eulogizing the tadpole. Every creature is important to me and I remember them all in their own special way and I the first tadpole I ever lost he was called Fred and it took me by surprise because I had forgotten that sometimes these things do happen and it's only nature to lose some tadpoles along the way and I shared it with my followers because you know I was like excited I'd share everything about the tadpoles including the ups and downs. So I gave him a funeral and buried him in my back garden with a wee tiny stone to mark his grave. Hannah, they're quite small. How do you notice when one of them has died? How did you know Fred was no longer with us? Well, tadpoles normally stay at the bottom of the pool. They enjoy lying at the bottom and they do come up occasionally to take a little gulp of air. But they do swim back down. And I had noticed Fred wasn't moving and he was floating on the top of the water, which probably isn't normal. And it does quite stick out. But the biggest thing was his colour. He was no longer blackish. He was now like a whitey grey. And I just knew he was no longer with us. Now, you, you've only had a few losses in 72 days of lockdown, which is quite impressive. Um, you can actually tell when, when you lose one. And, and tell me, where are they actually? Are they in a little pool, is it? Yes, they're in a little paddling pool in my back garden at the minute. Okay. Now, you obviously have to feed them stuff or make sure to keep them alive. So tell me about that regime. Well, I started off feeding them boiled lettuce, boiled iceberg lettuce. But after doing a wee bit of research, I learned that it works, but it's not the most nutritious thing to feed them. And then throughout my research, I actually found that boiled spinach is almost exactly the same as algae in their wild diets. And then a little bit of white fish substitutes the protein from the dead bugs they would eat out in the wild. So it's a very accurate resemblance what I feed them, boiled spinach and white fish, to what they would eat in the wild. And you know the way you did it initially for your brother, um, what's his name? Paul. Paul. So what does Paul think of it? Does he get involved or have you become more interested in it than Paul is? 
No, Paul definitely helps me with some of my videos. You need sometimes you need four hands instead of two. And Paul does love the tadpoles. And it's about that educational element. And I find that my account is very appealing to that. It is appealing to all ages, but it does have a specific factor for that younger age group. Okay, and tell me about the development of a of a tadpole, because I kind of think it's something we learned. It's sort of I'm having vague memories of biology classes or something. What's happening with them now? You can see them actually developing. Yes, and um, they started off just as little black dots in sort of a clear embryo with a frog spawn. And then they eventually emerge out of that embryo and eat it. And then once that's all gone, they swim around freely and then I started feeding them. And I was sort of worried there for a while because they were just tadpoles for a very long time. But now they finally sort of develop their legs. And it's been a relief to see them all growing up now. And the next stage is that they develop little arms. And that'll make them little froglets. Wow, and, and people are going to be fascinated by that bit. Um, you've over half a million followers now, which is incredible. How many tadpoles do you have? 37,927 plus mother frog. That's very specific. Yep. Have you counted them? Well, that's the one question that I get asked the most. How did you count them or did you count them? And I did count them. Like, I genuinely did count them. It's just... It mightn't be the most reliable counting. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Now, you have become, what I said at the beginning, you've become a tadpole influencer, okay? I presume when you're doing your guidance counsellor classes in school, it wasn't something you put on the top of your list. But that's what's happened. Tell me about the international attention you've received and the fact that a US influencer agency, Markerly, has got in touch and wants to kind of make a star of you, and even more of a star. Well, my audience is actually global. I have a large sort of amount of followers from the United States, a lot from the UK. And then I have so many from all over the globe, India, Vietnam, France, Italy, anywhere, even Australia. Everybody tunes in to watch my dabble videos. But um, it was I was honestly shocked that the American company wanted to take me on. But I'm so delighted because hopefully I can continue to grow my account and hopefully even next year when the little tadpoles and frog spawn are back in season, I can do this all over again. And what does it mean? Like, what have Markerly said to you about how they're going to make, help you increase your reach? Will you be, you know, expanding on different platforms or what's the plan? Um, I do plan to start a YouTube channel, an educational YouTube channel in the early months of next year to help educate more I like the younger audience and I feel like I can appeal more to the younger audience about nature and wildlife and tadpoles and all the stuff that I love and Markley are going to are going to help me set that up and they help manage me and make sure I'm on track. So are you expecting a good windfall out of this tadpole thing then? Are you making lots of money? Um well, I am, yes, but it's not about the money for me. And to be honest, most of the money I make goes straight back into my tadpoles or my other animals. What other animals do you have? Well, I have five hens and then um, I have a new, I recently got a new kitten. I have a Springer Spaniel and I have my rabbits. I've, um, I adopted a rescue, a pregnant rescue rabbit and I literally spoil them so much. And listen, you mentioned the mother frog there. This is the mother of all those tadpoles, is that right? Yes, who else would it be? Well, I know, but where did you find that? I mean, forgive me, I'm very bad with the old uh, tadpole um, trivia. So how do you know that's the mother and what, what was the story of that frog? 
Well, um, one day I went back to check on the top post and I watched Mother Frog hop from my garden and hop into the pool. And she's been there ever since and she's just lying up, enjoying the rocks and all the little bugs that land on the water. She enjoys eating them. She's just, I know it's Mother Frog just because I know. Who else would come and visit all our babies? Hannah, all these uh, tadpoles are going to turn into frogs because that's what happens, right? That's the inevitable uh, evolution. A few tiny tadpoles which lack the correct genetic makeup to actually turn into frogs. But most of them will. Yes, the majority of them will. There's a few tadpoles that unfortunately won't turn into frogs. What do your mum and dad think about the fact that your garden's going to be full of 30,000 frogs in a while? Well, I'm trying to convince my dad to build me a pond. So we'll see how that goes. But I'll actually not really be releasing them in my garden as such. Maybe a few, but I plan to release them around the countryside in different suitable areas for them. I wouldn't want to over overwhelm one sort of place with them all. Your dad is probably going to make you pay for that pond. You know that because now you're in you're in the money with the influencer gig. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like he's going to have much of a chance there. What what do your parents think of what you're doing? Are they kind of amazed? They are. My mum loves it. My mum thinks it's great. Like. It's like people people from all over the world and all ages actually enjoy it. And on TikTok, sometimes things are controversial or complicated, whereas my tadpoles are probably the easiest and the simplest, most wholesome stuff there is. Like, there's nothing complicated or controversial about tadpoles. Yeah, but that is actually amazing in this day and age that somebody hasn't found a controversial angle. There was one complaint, though, was there? Yes, um, I'm, I received an email from the Northern Ireland Wildlife Inspector Agency and it was just that somebody he had to follow up a complaint made to him. But it was over a tweet, it was a couple of viral tweets and somebody then reported it to the Northern Ireland Environment Agency and then he emailed me and he was like, um, just, for a wee, just for a wee chat and then my mum then went on to speak to him and we um, once we explained to him what we're doing and that it's really not a biblical proportion of frogs that we have and that our plans for them and how we're actually looking after them, he was actually pretty happy and, you know, we came to a happy conclusion. And then also the fact that um, tadpoles are not protected here in Northern Ireland. They're not protected? No. They are in the south. So, so are you campaigning to, to get them protected then? I wonder why they're not protected in the north. They're not protected here because they don't need to be protected. Um, they're at no risk of dying out. There's plenty of them up here. We're overpopulated with them, so there's no risk of them dying out. Okay. Now, do you want to work with animals? I mean, it sounds like you already are a complete animal fan with all those animals you already have. Do you want to work with them when you get older? You're only 17 now, so your whole life ahead of you. I have a real passion for geography and science. And I, at the minute, I really hope to go on and study veterinary. Like I found a picture of myself the other day from when I was four years old. And it even said, I want to be a vet. So I think I've always wanted to be a vet. <laughs> and just going back to the influencer thing. I mean, you obviously were doing baking before and you were trying to get noticed on on TikTok in other ways uh, until, until this happened by accident. Do you, do you feel like there is a way to be a wholesome influencer, like to be doing things that aren't... Like my kids just watch these people doing these weird dances all day. That's all I, I see them doing on TikTok. So I'm definitely going to introduce them to your tadpole thing because I'd much prefer them learning about that. Um, but what do you think being an influencer will involve now? 
you, you won't have to kind of dilute your brand or compromise yourself in any way do you think no not at all it's it's it seems very promising I just keep doing me and just they support me through doing that okay so it's not like a Kardashian thing where you're gonna to have to start wearing certain makeup or clothes or anything like that oh god no it's nowhere near as complicated or as much as that it's just I get to continue being me and doing me but they help me out and help me keep doing what I'm doing so what stage are you at in school uh, Hannah are you going back into school in September or are you finished no I'm going in in September to do my A-levels I'm finishing up my GCSEs okay you don't think you might leave school and just be a, a full-time influencer no definitely not it's not it wouldn't be a career path that I would ever have imagined or ever seeked out. And it's kind of just stumbled upon me. I don't really know. It wouldn't be sort of my dream, but I am enjoying it. <laughs> well, it sounds like you are, and we're all enjoying it. And uh, just a final word then, tell us what we can expect to see from you in the next uh, weeks and months if we if we go onto your TikTok account. Well, the tadpoles will be continued for a while yet until they're ready to go. And uh, my rabbit is due to have her babies pretty soon. And then hopefully over as we move into autumn and winter, I would love to do stuff about more animals, maybe the wildlife out here. We actually have bats that are pretty close to our house. I might do some stuff on them. You're like a mini David Attenborough there up in uh, Tyrone. No, not at all. David Attenborough is a legend. (laughs) Uh, you're fast becoming a bit of a legend and I suppose with Greta Thunberg and all the talk about climate change and how we need to look after the earth it's really great that you're getting such a reaction because I imagine that's also why people are tuning in absolutely I care so much about the environment I think it's so important and sometimes it doesn't get enough love absolutely well Hannah it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you and I hope we can come back to you again maybe when they turn into frogs because that's going to be quite interesting would be amazing. I can't wait myself. Thanks a million, Hannah. Bye. That was the brilliant Hannah McSorley there. And I think we're going to be hearing a lot more from her in the future. I can see a children's book in her future, maybe a range of outdoor wear. Um, there's all sorts of possibilities. I love how she's so cagey about the money situation, but it sounds like she's really uh, cashing in and she's got a proper head in her shoulders. Those tadpoles, I tell you, are very lucky. They're being so well-minded. Green and Black's Organic Chocolate, a selection of ethically sourced flavours combined with a rich cocoa intensity. And speaking of minding, how is your mental health? We know from talking to listeners and from getting feedback that a lot of people are suffering. And we also know that women's mental health has been impacted more than men. And that's why we wanted to talk about it here on the podcast Now, the Women's Health Network are going to be hosting a webinar tomorrow called Unpacking the Impacts, COVID-19 and Women's Mental Health. That's uh, tomorrow, Friday, June 12th at 10 o'clock till 11.30am. It's going to look at the specific impact on women's mental health of this pandemic. So whether it's women who've already had underlying mental health issues that have been exacerbated by this time or pregnant women or just, as I mentioned, the CSO figures which show that women have been more widely impacted across a whole range of areas. It's going to be a really interesting event. And at the event, Louise O'Leary, advocacy manager and occupational therapist and co-founder of Women's Mental Health Network, she'll be speaking, and Dr. Clean Lucknan, who is Women's Health Coordinator with the National Women's Council. So they both came on the podcast to talk to me about the event and just about the issue generally. And I began by asking 
because some people are confused by it. What impact gender has on mental health? I suppose, Roisin, like I think, as we all know, um, the pandemic has been concerning a worrying time for everybody in society, for men, women and children. But I suppose when we think about it from a gendered point of view, we can think about the different issues that women are experiencing during the pandemic. And for example, you know, some of the issues that women are contending with, uh, particularly are around the school closures and the crash closures. Um, and many women are now doing a lot more childcare than they were previously, and they're trying to do homeschooling. And we do know that care work in Ireland does tend to predominantly be done by women. So women are taking on a lot of this work now. We also know that in our frontline workers, so that's in the health service, in retail, that's predominantly women in that workforce as well. So they're experiencing a lot of stress in the workforce. They're trying to look after their own families, but also all the care that they're providing to all of us. That's so vital for us as a society to keep going. And we need to think about the, the stress and the trauma that they're experiencing because of that. Also, when we think about different families for lone parents, again, predominantly women in our society, they're experiencing, you know, all the concerns that many of us are, but we'll have other concerns, for example, about what might happen when they, if they were to get sick and who will look after their children. We know as well there's been quite a lot of discourse around children, children in shops and so on, that has made it quite difficult uh, for lone mothers who are trying to just provide for their families in the same way as everyone else. And I guess we also unfortunately know, and this is before the pandemic, that women tend to be in precarious work, uh, in low paid work. And when we look at the figures from the Department of Employment, we see that uh, many of the workers that have lost their jobs are women. They're younger women who tend to be in part time employment in lower paid jobs. So women are experiencing a lot of economic stress as well at this time. So I suppose, yeah, when we look at the issue from the point of view of women, we can see all these particular stressors and anxieties that are occurring um, and that we need to think about them in the context of women's lives. It's interesting. I saw uh, some figures from the Central Statistics Office recently, which also showed that women are more likely to be concerned about not only other people's health and have someone that they're particularly stressed and anxious about, but also themselves. That when something like this happens, women more than men, because the CSO have done survey on it, take it on themselves and get more anxious about it. Louise, is that something that we need to think about too? Yeah, I think I think that survey was... Um was really important actually to flag how the circumstances and conditions of our lives that any of us living, whether men or women, affect our mental health. And um, one of the things that influences the circumstances and conditions of our lives is our gender and gendered roles and gender inequalities and things like that too. So um, what this pandemic is showing, and I know as, as Tina's pointed to there, not just nat- nationally, but around the world, is that things like the unpaid care work and domestic work and the uh, need to care for other family members or friends, it's falling more on the shoulders of women. So that CFO survey isn't perhaps surprising because that those kind of trends were already evidenced before the pandemic, but um, it's having a greater impact on women in terms of being concerned and worried about others because they're the ones who are more likely to, to provide the care and support. That's not to say men aren't providing it too, but what, what the... Statistics show it's not just in Ireland, but around the world, that it's falling more onto the shoulders of women. And I suppose the other thing we need to talk about is uh, women with already pre-existing mental health conditions. Mm. I mean, this I can't even imagine. I have some friends close to me who I know it's been made worse, especially for people, women living alone. Um, it's it's yeah. really, really hard. Is that something you're thinking about, too? Absolutely. I, and I, again, I'd say whether it's it's a man or a woman living with a mental health difficulty, this um, the very unique circumstances that we're living through can pose additional challenges for people who have um, ongoing mental health needs. For women, I guess, 
there are particular um, maybe challenges that might be more likely to uh, arise. So thinking of case of eating disorders, for example, which ex- more women experience than men, the kind of routine and, and recovery supports that's maybe supporting their recovery has potentially been interrupted. And I was thinking the other day of how stressful supermarket shopping has become for all of us. Um, and I know when I worked as an occupational therapist with people recovering from eating disorders, supermarket shopping was something we would work on because it could be a very anxiety provoking task at the best of times. So I was thinking about that earlier this week, how for me, I know I'm finding going to the supermarket is such an ordeal. I'm finding myself more irritable. I'm almost getting a fight or flight when I'm there. So for someone who maybe those kind of day-to-day tasks were, were potentially a challenge already that they were working on that may be posing more difficulties. And certainly things like social isolation can, as we know, can really affect all our mental health. But for somebody with mental health difficulties, again, whether a man or woman, but um, I know for, for older women, especially over 80, there, there's more women living alone than men. And that can, can have an additional toll on mental health. What I would say is, though, as well, I know I've been speaking with some uh, women uh, who've used our services in the past or are currently using them now, and they're saying on a, on a brighter side that they have a lot of strengths and skills that they've acquired from dealing uh, with potential personal crises before and um, recovery skills they've developed that they're really able to draw on. And I, um, one person pointed out to me that they sort of feel more equipped in certain circumstances to deal with isolation and challenging times. So there are people who flagged that to me as well, but I, w- I would say that it, it's, it's really important to consider the needs of people with mental health difficulties at the moment and that services are really proactive in engaging engaging with them and that people are aware that services are still out there. They may have changed. They may be more like remote access, um, which I know we're, we're doing in St. Patrick's at the moment as well, but the services are still there. So I'd really encourage anyone who needs support to, to reach out and get it. And Cleana, the Women's Health Network is going to be hosting a webinar um, on June 12th. Everything's gone online these days. It's great that we can still do things, you know. Um, it's called Unpacking the Impacts, COVID-19 and Women's Mental Health. It's going to be on June 12th uh, from 10 to 11.30 a.m. What was the idea behind this and why did you feel it was important to set it up? I suppose we established the Women's Mental Health Network uh, between the Women's Council and St. Patrick's. Um, and the reason was, I suppose, that we do, you know, we've recognised that women have different experiences in their lives, that women often may have different presentations around their mental health, and that there was a real desire, I think, among the mental health community, among the women's health communities to talk about these issues and to really bring them to the surface. So as a network, we've been really focusing on issues that impact on women, such as violence against women, perinatal mental health, you know, around pregnancy, those kind of things. And also trying to draw out, which I think is really important when we're having this conversation, is that, you know, not all women live the same lives and different women experience different um, mental health and have different access to mental health support. So really trying to draw out the mental health inequalities there are for women. So that's why we established the network. And I suppose the network is a space for people who are interested in these issues to network and to learn about specific areas impacting on women's mental health. So I suppose once COVID had happened, we can't have our physical events anymore, uh, which have been extremely well attended in St. Patrick's. We decided we needed to move the conversation online because, as you said, you know, not only from the women contacting us in the Women's Council, the women that St. Pat's are dealing with and, and services across the country, uh, but also from the research that's coming out. We do see that there is a real need to talk about women's issues during COVID and how they've been impacted. So at the seminar on the 12th of June, we're going to focus on issues around violence against women. So unfortunately, no, there's been a, a rise in the incidence of violence against women 
some women who are now at home with an abuser because home is not safe for everybody. We're also going to talk about issues around care because, as we've discussed, women's care has risen a lot during the COVID crisis. And that has impacts, you know, there's positive impacts, of course, to care. And we get a lot of value from caring from our family members. But it also means there's less time for those doing the care for women to look after themselves and their own well-being. So we want to draw those issues out. And then we also want to think about different groups of women in our community. So, for example, LGBT uh, women who, again, may be experiencing particular issues around their well-being and mental health during this time. For traveller women, for migrant women, what are the issues that are facing women at the moment and impacting their well-being? Thanks very much for that. Then generally, I'd just be interested in what you're both hearing um, anecdotally or, or people that are reaching out to you or things that you've heard yourself. Are there any particular stories that you think sort of really showcase the fact that women are perhaps suffering more and in different ways around this time in terms of their mental health? One of our members, the Women's Council, the key to us, so they're the um, Migrant Women's Network. They held a really good um, seminar where they were talking about how migrant women are experiencing covid And one of the issues that came up specifically there was around mothers in direct provision um, and how they're managing uh, their well-being and mental health of themselves and their family. Because as you said, women are often very anxious during this period, and that's a very natural reaction to this pandemic. I think we have to also talk about how normal it is to feel down, to feel worried during this period. They were talking about um, lone mothers, for example, in direct provision, who are now potentially having to stay in one room with their family, with their children, uh, thinking about the fact that you're trying to isolate your family and protect your, your household unit, as you've been told to do. But there are shared eating facilities. So how do you manage that as a lone mother, for example? And uh, there's a lot of talk about how lone mothers have strategies where maybe they'll go and make food for their family late in the evening when they can go to the shared facilities and there's nobody else there. There's also talk about, you know, the, the level of homeschooling. And I think this has been a real stressor for a lot of women. And But if you're trying to do that again in one room or in a centre with limited Wi-Fi, and maybe you don't have access to, you know, a lot of the tech equipment that people need to be able to engage in homeschooling and how stressful that is knowing that you want your child to have the same experience as everybody else. And also there was talk about, I think this is important that we need to think about the messages that we're giving people that often a lot of the public health advice wasn't maybe appropriate in direct provision centres. So it's very difficult to just stay within your family unit, for example, if you're in a shared uh, facility. It's very hard to access exercise in an open public space. Many of the centres don't have that around them. So how stressful it can be as well to hear what you should be doing to protect your your health and your well-being and that of your family, but that you can't apply that in your setting. And so we need to think about people who are living um, in situations where they need additional support to be able to stay healthy and protect their well-being during this time. I think that really resonated with me, you know, when we think about uh, the different situations women are having to cope with at the moment. Louise, what about you? Have you heard anything um, particularly that you think highlights these experiences that people are having? Well, certainly um, just in, in general, talking to uh, family and friends, just going back to what Kleena was saying there about, you know, we're not living through normal times, but what is normal is to feel anxious, overwhelmed, worried at the moment, to have disturbed sleep, perhaps. I know a lot of people, including myself, have been having very vivid dreams and things like that. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> the strangest dreams. So that is normal. I think it's really important we don't over pathologize you know, what's happening to many of us in terms of dealing with uh, with things at the moment. And obviously, as Kleena pointed out, people's lives are, are different. So I think where 
you know, some of us may be lucky to, to still have jobs, to be able to work remotely, to have space to, to find privacy at home. But I know for some people, it's been really challenging to find uh, people who do have jobs to have, find workspace. Juggling childcare, I think, has been really challenging and homeschooling for a lot of people. And I know often both dads and mums are dealing with that. A prior CSO survey did highlight that women are finding greater impact on it. And that's certainly coming through in conversations I'm having with people. And then, as I mentioned, from having contact with people who've used our services, I know there are challenges for a lot of people in terms of the interruption to social connections, supports that people would have used before. The, The move to remote care and links like that is really valuable, but that's not right for everybody and I think it's important to recognize when we move forward and the kind of post-pandemic world technology is great but we have to recognize that there can be a bit of a digital divide for older people for people who maybe don't have access to devices to wi-fi so we really need to think about that in terms of making sure people are being left behind in terms of maintaining connections and things like that. Could you um, maybe address just some of the everyday challenges that listeners might be having and give some sort of help and support to what people can do. And I know that there are still loads of services and people shouldn't forget that they, they are yes. to them. But just on a daily basis, are there anything as experts that you would kind of sort of encourage people to do? Yeah. So just to reassert, I guess, to acknowledge that it's normal to feel anxious, worried, overwhelmed, to be to be having an impact on, on how you feel, to not feel as productive perhaps as you normally would. You know, there is this sort of rush to come up with ways to fill your time as if everybody magically had more time and we're going to start learning languages and things like that. I don't I don't personally I don't think that's no embroidery or knitting is happening. No, no, exactly. Exactly. One more person mentions sourdough starter kids. So, you know. um, so I think it's important to acknowledge that and to kind of respect that that we we might be as productive as we need to be. I'd certainly encourage people to to look up to, to go to the the, the really uh, vast amount of mental health information and well-being that's been, been put out both as part of the public health response at gov.e uh, forward slash together um, certainly in St. Patrick's study website we've lots of information and, and blogs on ways to to build up a good routine in an achievable way to mind your sleep to try and unwind I know uh, NWCI has a really good information hub as well we mentioned frontline workers earlier too um, and I'm very conscious that, you know, the majority of healthcare workers, I think it's 70% globally are women. Uh, but whether whether a man or a woman, there's uh, there's good supports available. Mind the Frontline is a really good website that's been set up um, by some psychiatric uh, registrars with lots of free supports and resources for frontline workers. So I'd really encourage people to, to go online and get information and tips. There's a lot of resources out there. A lot of it's about, I think, the basics thinking about what's right for, for you and your family and your well-being at the moment and trying to carve out time for those things. So whether it is making sure you're, you're keep, trying to keep a good sleep routine, you know, making sure to get some fresh air. And one of the things that's been been emphasized repeatedly, the mental health advice that's out there is to try and think about where you're getting your information and how much you're getting. So to make sure you're getting it from, from good sources. And obviously we all need to keep informed, but you know, I know like anybody else, probably for the first few weeks of this, I was spending way too much time on, on, on screens and looking up things and it was completely overwhelming. So I think that's a really important thing to do. And then I suppose I'd say beyond that, if you feel you're, you're struggling with your mental health, 
at the moment beyond that kind of normal reactions that we're all having is to reach out, whether it's to, to friends and family, not to delay. I think it's really important to recognise that other health difficulties don't stop just because there's a public health emergency. And the more we delay getting help and support, the worse it is for, for our mental health or our physical health. So whether it's reaching out to a friend or, or family member, contacting um, a support line um, or, or support groups, all these services are still available. There's support groups happening online around the country, whether it's contacting your GP or accessing services uh, via the HSE or, or indeed St. Patrick's. I think it's really important to not delay if, if uh, people need support. Okay, and uh, there was a lot there from Louise, but Cleena, Sorry. <laughs> do you have anything that you'd like? No, no, that's, I guess I'd like to say that a lot of this, you know, at this time is about us reaching out for support, going to the hse.ie um, and looking there for all the supports that are available. But, but I also think this is a time for us as society to think, you know, we're having a bit of a rethink about how we provide services and what's actually necessary. And we're very conscious in the Women's Council that uh, there's a government uh, negotiations going on at the moment. We're going to see a new programme for government. And it's important for us to think about, well, what do we need for women's uh, mental health and well-being in the future? And how can we build up the supports that women need? Um, and I suppose some of it is about us as individuals looking after our own well-being. But I think what the pandemic has really shown and the unequal impact of the pandemic on people's mental health and well-being is that we need to provide better services, universal mental health services that are available and you know invested in but we also need to look at the social and economic conditions that people in Ireland have been living in and you know we need to provide public childcare, for example I think really we've seen the impact when the limited I suppose public availability of childcare was taken away the impact that has and uh, we've also seen you know the impact of of poverty and low income on on people's lives on their well-being and their mental health and we've seen in this crisis how the government has had to respond to those issues and we don't want to lose those supports that have been built up during COVID. Uh, so I suppose for our well-being as a society and for us as individuals, I think it's now about you know the government investing in universal services that will help us all with our mental health and well-being. So whether that's in the healthcare sector, in childcare, for example, in older care and so on. And um, so there's a real opportunity for us now to learn from this pandemic and to build up the kind of supports that we all need. Okay. And finally then would you both just tell us all about this seminar and is it open to everyone and why people should go and what you hope to achieve from it? That's a big question. Yeah, so it is open to everyone. Um, there is information online. You, you do need to register via an Eventbrite page. So it's going to be on June 12th in the morning and will be an hour and a half long. I think it's really important just to echo what Kina was saying earlier is to, to kind of take stock of what's happening at the moment and to learn from the experiences people are having. And I, I've heard a phrase a few times over the last few weeks, which is very optimistic, but I really like it, which is about building back better after the pandemic. And I think in order to do that, we really need to look at what's happened to take stock and to see what these in, the impacts are on all of our mental health as a society. But if there are differential factors, for example, like gender that are causing health inequalities, then, you know, this, this pandemic is really showing that. And, and there is an opportunity to build back better and have for example, more gender responsive health services and to address some of those inequalities maybe that people are experiencing. We're not going to achieve all that at the webinar, but the idea of it is that we'll start to unpack it and hopefully we'll have, have further ones. I think it's a really important conversation to have, uh, to give space to different uh, voices and experiences um, women are having and to learn from it. 
Um, I love building back better. In fact, I think I'm going to steal that for a future episode <laughs> of some, some kind. Lena, finally, where can people go to get the information about this webinar and also just generally um, your women's health organisation? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find inf- information about our webinar and the mental health impacts of COVID for women on the Women's Council website. So that's nwci.ie and also on the St. Patrick's website. We'll be promoting it on social media. So if you follow us on Twitter and Instagram, hopefully you can't miss it. Just to say also with the Women's Council, we have um, a series of webinars at the moment. They're called the Feminist Agenda. And we're looking at a lot of different issues um, around care, around violence against women, around the economy, so how the economy impacts on women. And we're having a fortnightly series um, on those. And I think they'll be of real interest to your listeners. And again, they're all available on our website. We'll be promoting them on social media. And I suppose one thing that has really come up in the research, I think, from the CSO and other places, is about how women really value the social connectedness. And that's one of the things that's been missing during the pandemic. Um, And I think these webinars, even though they are virtual and we're all looking at screens, they just feel like a sense of community uh, that you get from these uh, webinars. So really encourage people to think about tuning in and, you know, asking questions and being involved in the conversation about how we can move forward um, after COVID and, you know, ensure that we support women around all the different needs. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's a bit of Zoom fatigue going around at the moment. But at the same time, when we've done our events with up to 300 people, it's very energizing too, just to feel mm-hmm. part of an audience and to feel part mm-hmm. of something. So I would really encourage everyone to get involved in all your webinars because it is really important that we feel connected and that we feel that we're all in this together, even though, as we know, the, the socioeconomic things and the gender things do make it unequal as well. And, and just mean that certain people are suffering more. But if we can all come together and acknowledge that, I think it does help. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for uh, talking to me about it today, Kleena and Louise. And um, the best of luck with the webinar. I hope you get loads of people tuning in and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having us. It's really important to mind yourselves at this time. So I hope that's helped some of you and I hope that some of you will go and visit the webinar, the Women's Health Network's webinar called Unpacking the Impacts COVID-19 and Women's Mental Health, uh, which is on Friday, June 12th at 10 o'clock. And thanks very much to Louise O'Leary and Dr. Kleena Lochanan for that. And that's all we have time for. Thanks to Louise and Kleena, as I said. And also thank you very much to the first tadpole influencer we've had on the women's podcast hannah mcsorley if you want to get in touch with us about tadpoles or anything we're on twitter and facebook and more recently instagram at it women's podcast and we're also on email the women's podcast at irishtimes.com so get in touch tell us what you think of the podcast and anything you'd like us to cover the podcast is produced by me roisin ingle and by suzanne brennan with jj vernon on sound that's all we have time for stay safe and thanks very much for listening listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.